Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Hello listeners and a very, very, very warm welcome to this Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode. This uh, this landmark Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode, number 200. I know it's a cliche, but it seems literally two minutes ago since we started. But anyway, here we are. So to to mark this um, this double century episode... I've got with me today um, a gentleman uh, all the way from the Emerald Isles, would you believe, Ireland. And uh, he uh, has been previously on a, on a podcast episode sharing his, his vulnerability about uh, his life experiences. And his name is Frank Nolan. Frank, a very, very warm welcome to you. Good morning, Paul. I'm delighted to be with you today. And today, Frank... We're going to be talking about roughly around um, your ego, our egos, and, and in your case, how it nearly cost you everything. Now, in the previous episode, you spoke about how it how it nearly cost you your life, literally. So if we can just start by building on that, you know, recapping on that around very briefly around, you know, how that threatened your life. So just lead, lead in there, Frank, and uh, yeah, take the show away. Well, Paul, um, um, first of all, thanks for having me. And um, um, I suppose um, <clears throat> back in um, the early 2010 um, was was probably one of the lowest points in my life, as we spoke on the previous podcast. Um, and I financially and emotionally was being crippled. Um, and um, a lot of banks and so on and so forth were calling in debts and there was a lot of financial pressure on me which as you can imagine led to a lot of financial pressure on my relationships um, especially with my wife um, and which led to I suppose a point where as we spoke about in previous podcasts that I was I had thoughts of going up to my local golf club and it was where I was I had decided to end it and I suppose um, from the point of view of my um, ego and stubbornness and I suppose also um, um, an ego um, jacket, uh, I, I'd like to call it, that I decided to wear all the way back from when I was um, younger, um, I suppose, uh, yeah, it saved me in one way, but I need to move on from that point so just to be clear frank when you say end it and we want to be clear for the uh, purpose of the listeners you wanted to end your life yes unfortunately that's how low it had got yeah and as you look back on those very dark desperate days frank are you able to pinpoint i mean i'm sure there's many contributing factors um, and i certainly don't want to try and put words in your mouth for me when i hear these kind of things and from my own personal experiences there's invariably uh, one big thing that kind of underpins that for you was there one big thing um, there never is totally but was there one that was kind of you know influential in that kind of desperate place that you found yourself in uh, as in why I came to my decision um, no that actually how did you end up there oh uh, um, I just the pressure became too much and I had you know all different pressures coming from me and I was trying to keep all the balls in the air and I just couldn't do it anymore mm. I was just mentally and physically exhausted Paul mm. and I just saw no way out but to, 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 to go down that road but what drove you there Frank I mean was it was it the ego that you know wanting to um, 
you know, to play the big shot there, you know, wallowing in the significance of, you know, having all these people um, as employees and being responsible for their well-being, their financial well-being through their wages, their income, etc. I mean, that, that is a massive responsibility just for one person, let alone, you know, the, the amount of people that you are employing. But was the, I suppose my question to you, Frank, is what part did your ego play in that? I suppose, um, um, deep question, Paul. Um, I, I suppose for me, it was really down to my self-worth. Um, at that point in time, um, which I'm a lot more self-aware now, thanks be to God, but I'd attached my self-worth to physical things my home, my business, my Jeeps, my cars I drove, what was in the bank. And I suppose because of that reason, I was afraid of being found out that basically my whole world was being collapsed around me. And this is a terrible thing to say, but that included my wife. Mm. I didn't want her to know that everything was, you know, physically financially and me mentally who was always the strong hunter gatherer and um, always had control and um, always had you know situations where I would find a way and and that was kind of my ethos back then but I got to a stage where I didn't have answers anymore Paul mm. I literally had run out of avenues of 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 where I was going to take this or how I was going to get out of it hence I, I came to the pinnacle point that basically the world would be better off without me. Yeah, that's self-worth, as you say. And then the key word there for me, Frank, listening to you speak there is that self-awareness. Because, you know, to, to coin a well-known cliche, we don't know what we don't know. And once we do know, we're kind of a good, we're a good way along solving the, the problem or the challenge, aren't we? Yes, yes, very good, very mm. true. Yeah, okay. So what does vulnerability mean to you? Describe this word, vulnerability, Frank. What does it mean? To me, it's um, a decision, uh, Paul, I've made to um, how to live um, the second half of my life. I'm just on the right side of 50, and um, I, I plan to live a, a good, healthy second half. And vulnerability is to kind of shed the ego now i know the ego plays its part and i know it's chitter chatter will always be in the background but i suppose i want to give it less control let it have its chitter chatter but i i just i want to see i want my employees to see that i am vulnerable i make mistakes I want my wife to see the vulnerability of me coming to her and sharing things that normally I wouldn't share with her financially and otherwise where I would kind of hide that from her or feel that, you know, that's my job to fix and not share it. Or if I have a day where basically Paul, I'm having a tough day to to, 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 to go to, especially my wife or, or a close friend and say, do you know what, I'm really having a tough week and describe and discuss it and not feel that as a weakness but as a strength yeah and that's where i that's that was the key for me vulnerability was a weakness mm. now i know it's a true strength which yeah. builds character and and keeps me safe and and also gives permission for other people to be vulnerable too which is which is massive Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I think it's true for all of us that unless yet again, we've got this this awareness around uh, what you've just said there, Frank, that isn't it true that we all and, and I'll say particularly more so the masculine energy, um, you know, guys, uh, if I can be allowed to put masculine energy in that in that context. And, and of course, it doesn't, you know, masculine energy doesn't belong solely to to men, as, as we know. But I think it's tr true to say with, with men in particular, that pride, that ego, that conditioning, that whole kind of, you know, what I term big boys don't cry. Because from an early age, it's like, stop crying. You're a boy. You're not, you're not allowed to cry. You know, certainly from our generation, I think, yes. you know, things, are, um, things have changed a, a little bit. The goalposts have moved a little bit now, Frank. But that kind of holds social acceptance, isn't it, of, you know, guys just get on with it. Yes. And 
But the, the, I think the challenge with that is, and I've used this uh, this metaphor before, this example before around, if we imagine ourselves within that approach as a, as a solid, staunch oak tree, and that's fine, but when the, when the storms of life come up and the winds of life are so fierce and they uproot us, we're gone. As an oak tree, we're gone. Rather, we become like a willow these days. And as the, those challenging winds um, come through our lives, we bend and we bend. And yes, we might be taken to the ground with the power of the wind, but we come back to ourselves. And I think that tree analogy is a good way of, 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 of embracing, you know, um, how we can move forward. Just one of the ways that how we can move forward so moving on, Frank, um, I know you've shared sort of uh, off air around what what you um, what you described as the timeline therapy. Tell us a little bit about that, if you will. Um, the timeline therapy um, is basically it's a, a certain technique, Paul, where something comes up um, through therapy and you've no idea where it came from. So it's a process where you um, go into a timeline of your life and it's through a meditative state um, going from exactly where you are now, floating up above yourself and then going back as far as you feel you need to be to when that feeling arose. Mm -hmm. And then this helps you to connect your now to your past. And then it's all about telling the young Frank um, who back then was very vulnerable, that now, the Frank now has him, he, you've got him, and he, he, he doesn't have to be afraid, he doesn't have to be worried, and that everything's going to be okay. And you assure him, and then you come back into the present day. And I suppose it really um, wraps him and lets him know that he's not alone, and it fixes the, the the blockage from the now to the then mm. so that's really the importance of it and um i found it very very beneficial certainly in my life and um, with certain things that came up in my young childhood mm. what i love about that particular technique the timeline strategy is the fact that when we come into this into this world as a child we are we're like that proverbial blank piece of paper we're pure. We haven't got any baggage um, as such. I mean, there are exceptions to that, uh, um, you know, from a physical point of view. Um, and I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not going to go into stuff that I don't really understand. But what I do understand is, is from that sort of potentially blank piece of paper, that clean piece of paper, when we come into the world, we're, you know, we are pure happiness. We are pure love. We actually unlearn how we unlearn that happiness, we unlearn things because it's, I think, you know, most people are sort of simply box it off as survival. And the things and the conditioning that, that we pick up around us, you know, from our environment, from our peers, from our parents, all these influential words, actions, deeds, whatever they are, we kind of then register that on our piece of paper. Um, and before long, even at an early age, We've got a lot of bits of pieces all over our paper. You know, imagine a spider that's that's kind of <laughs> gone into a jar of ink and then crawled out the ink and gone on the paper. It's all over the place and it's a right mess. Well, you imagine that from a child then going into teenage years and through adolescence into adulthood. And unless we've got that awareness to actually critically look at that piece of paper, reflect on that piece of paper and say, wow, what a mess that is. I need to change that script. I need to change it. So uh, do, does that does that kind of sound right, Frank? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and just as you're speaking there, Paul, um, you're bringing me back to a time when I was starting school. Um, I was five. And, um, of course, I went into school thinking, you know, I'm as clever as anybody. And I have memories of kind of where my self-worth was attacked. Um, I struggled... Um, in school with dyspraxia and dyslexia and um, for those reasons learning from me as a child was quite difficult mm. and, I, and I have memories which I, I'm very sad to say of a teacher um, saying to me oh yeah you're stupid just forget about it you, you'll never get this and 
that type of thing stuck with me. And I suppose being in that um, um, blank, you know, um, it's, I call it the sponge era mm. of from a child to about five or six years of age where they just absorb everything. That went deep into my subconscious. Yeah. And I suppose from, as you can imagine, as a child, um, my self-worth at that point in time was under serious attack. And I felt, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not clever. And and then that went into my um, adolescence and into my adult childhood. So, wow, you, you brought me back to a place there that, um, yeah, I haven't uh, thought about in a long time. And that's fine, Frank, isn't it? Because because um, to visit and to revisit these these fears because they lurk. They're, they're like you know they're like cowards for me that lurk in dark entries, ready to pounce and take us unsuspectingly. And so for me, my attitude towards those kind of things is: I'm going to go there. I'm going to revisit that, but I'm going to go there on my terms, the higher self, not the fear driven, ego driven. Yeah, but I'll control this. Not no from a place of, of you know and I and I love your words Frank and your your language around vulnerability. I'm going to go there and I'm going to be there as a self-accepting vulnerable person, but at the same time, I'm not going to be intimidated by you and this past and and those those experiences because that's what they are. They're experiences, aren't they? Yes. But isn't it true that we tend to actually embrace that experience and let it define our lives rather than saying, well, actually, it's something that happened, but I move on from it. Yes. Yes. It doesn't. Um, it it doesn't have to define you, but it's amazing if if you don't have the self awareness of where this. Um, belief and and, and uh, it is only a belief mm. that's trapped in the subconscious all the way back to when I was five for example to use that my childhood memory as an example that um, that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't clever um, because I had to because I had learning difficulties I went to a special class uh, it was Miss Shanley's I got jeered from that from other children because of dyslexia and all those issues but when you when you understand that 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 is a belief from then mm. and it's it's not a belief that should define you but unless you have that awareness Paul, that's stuck in your subconscious yeah and every time your self um, values or yourself or, or you know that area in your life is attacked in the future as an adult mm. your subconscious will bring you back to that point yeah. and say I told you you're not good enough. I told you you're not clever enough. Yeah. Unless you have that self-awareness. And that's the important piece for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it is, you know, it's interesting, Frank, that we've used the word um, awareness, self-awareness, because what's coming through loud and clear here, I mean, this is quite, um, and I love to say this, listeners know I love to say this, coincidental that we're having this conversation <laughs> on episode 200, because... The ball started rolling um, right way back on episode one, where the first podcast was called Mastering the Game of Life is as simple as ABC. And what Frank's propounded quite a bit there is the awareness word, quite rightly, uh, for the A. And in just in that last sentence, he mentioned awareness and beliefs in the same sentence. And that made me smile. We'll come to the C towards the end of this conversation. But let's focus in on that awareness and those that the, the kind of, I won't say the meat in the sandwich, but the filling in the sandwich that is B, the beliefs, the power of beliefs. Frank, you're stupid. As you've said, that cut into you at an early age, didn't it? Very much so. Because when we look at the fears, I mean, when when we look at, you know, look, we've said we don't know what we don't know. Uh, And some people say ignorance is bliss. Well, I want to challenge that. No, ignorance is ignorance. It's not bliss. Ignorance is ignorance. It stands on its own. But to be fair to ourselves, we don't know what we don't know. So we go on this voyage of discovery, this experiential learning, and we become wiser. And we take the learning from that. And we move on. But like as Frank says, unless you've got unless you know that, it's very, very easy to become bogged down on this kind of what's happening to me, and even slip into victim mode. 
I mean, okay, there's a word, Frank, victim. At any time through your awareness or lack of it, did you ever look on yourself as being a victim? I wouldn't say a victim. Um, or would I? Uh, yeah, well, I suppose, yes, Paul. I, I certainly felt um, attacked. Um, um, it's funny, as you were talking there, I, I, I just remembered. Um, I kind of had, as my young self, I had two options to deal with what was going on in my life at that point in time as a kid. And um, I could either um, um, go into a very vulnerable place and and you know and end up being the the, the stupid kid mm. you know but <clears throat> how much which is funny how i chose to challenge um that situation is um i became the class clown mm. i became the joker yeah and 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 if you ask any of my colleague mates um i was the clown in the class and i got sent out to detention many many times for comments i made i was the funny guy and that followed me all the way through school now it did leave me um as in the victim i i, I felt um in primary but going into secondary and, and and all that kind of stuff um i have to say um when i think back in it it hampered my learning mm. because rather than me focusing on, on learning and, and doing well, that class clown mentality to protect the vulnerability of me being, you know, dyslexic and maybe not as a fast learner as other people. That's how I masked it. Mm. And Paul, you know, um, in, in life, how many times do we all mask things mm. that um, we don't want to show as a vulnerable point because it makes us feel of lesser of a person? Massively. And then that's back down to the beliefs yep. that we have that are not dealt with. But once you deconstruct them beliefs that don't serve you, mm. you can become that vulnerable self, which is much more serving to you and to others and giving permission. So... That's been a huge um, change in my life where I've gone into these different areas and kind of deconstructed um, these certain beliefs that I had. And now I feel definitely a, a much fuller person, vulnerable person and with much more self-awareness. It is that power of beliefs, isn't it? I want to go back to, Frank, there's, there's two things um, that I want to sort of focus in on. One we've covered quite a bit already um, in a statement that you're not good enough. That's one of our biggest fears. We are not good enough. And that was certainly um, driven into you, I think, from an early age about you're, you're not good enough and you never will be. And that's something I can personally resonate very strongly with, Frank. Um, and as you say, absolutely quite rightly, you know, particularly as a child being told that a sensitive sponge and we soak everything up like you've already alluded to. Yeah, you're rubbish. You're nothing. You'll never be. You'll never do anything in life. And that's one thing. But I want to come to the other one, Frank, um, the other big one in life that um, that really, really holds us back. You'll never be loved. Mm. Is that something that was apparent in, in in any part of your life. And I'm thinking particularly, Frank, having had the benefit of a private conversation around that statement made to you by your father the, the one day there. Because for me, listening to what you told me there, and I know yeah, you're quite happy to share it with the listeners, that was actually a different way of saying, I'm not really bothered about you, Frank. You, you, you're not loved in my world. I, I suppose, Paul... Um... Um, our generation, <clears throat> our <clears throat> excuse me, our generation, uh, our, our our parents, um, they weren't very vulnerable. They weren't very loving. Well, certainly my parents weren't anyway. Mm. Um, and it was all like I remember my mother telling me many many times, "I'll poker up and um, stop your whinging and get on with it." Mm. And there was this mentality where you you weren't allowed, um, you know open up to your parents and 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 whinge or, or or you know describe certain things so um that was kind of the life that i kind of grew up with you kind of just get on with it mm. and and when things went wrong um it wasn't discussed Paul. it mm. was just like and um, poke her up and and get on with it so i suppose um you you you're bringing me back to a place where um I suppose it was a very difficult time in my life because my parents um, split up at an early age. I was about 15 or 16. 
and reluctantly so. I don't know why I did this and I, I'm still asking the question today. But when my father left the family home, I stepped in as the kind of surrogate father to the family. And for some reason, my mother allowed me to take on that role, which did a lot of damage to me mm. as a young adult. And, and, and even today, I'm still struggling with certain issues around that. But I always remember the day of, of um, I suppose, when we were living, I was living with my father and um, we had we had just split up and we were in separate homes um, my, with my mum and my father. And I went with my father and I remember him telling me that he, his new partner, um, basically um, he, he introduced us to his new partner. This was his number one in his life. And basically, um, she had moved in, no discussion with uh, with us other than she to be respected in the home and that's it. Mm. So obviously, I challenged this as a young, I think I was about 18, 19 at the time. I challenged the situation with my father. And um, again, Paul, I was told, basically, if you don't like it, there's the door. Now, you can imagine, here's me looking at my father. I'm his blood. And I'm being told that this is a woman that has come into our lives with no explanation. And we had to respect that. And that's the day, Paul, I grabbed my pillow and I left. And, and, I, and I left with the mindset that nobody was ever, ever going to make me feel so small and so insignificant as he did that day. And that's the day I, the ego decided we're going to show the world put on the armour and I went out. And that was the start of that very egotistical, um, um, uh, you know, armour that I put on and I was going to show the world, in, including my parents. And as it happened, Paul, you know, I did. Um, I, I, I became quite successful as a businessman um, with um, minimal education, um, didn't go to third level. Um, I, I, I laugh I, I, with my kids today that I went to the school of, uh, or the College of Hard Knocks and it was um, self-learning. Mm. But with the self-learning, I learned quickly. I made my mistakes. I mm. picked up the learnings and I moved on. Now, I often laugh that, you know, it took about 10 years where, uh, you know, I could have done a third level degree in about four. But look, it was all part of my, my growth, my journey, and that was a journey I chose. So I suppose, yeah, very vulnerable point in my life. Uh, again, back down my parents and as a very young, vulnerable teenager, that was really, really difficult for me. Yeah, it, as I say, at the risk of repeating, it, it reinforces those the two biggest fears we have as human beings. Bar none, uh, and this is irrespective of gender, any of the labels, gender, culture, whatever one never be good enough two never be loved and to have that reinforced as i say at an early ages it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and then we're kind of battling uh, upstream without a paddle so to speak aren't we uh, absolutely and um as you can imagine like my father is is there to protect me even as a young teenager and, and I feel very strongly about that with my kids, never mind the young teenager, but I want to protect my kids all their life. And that's just a, a kind of a natural innate feeling with, in, in deep inside me. Mm. So here's my father telling me, sorry, um, you know, this is the woman you have to respect. This is the way it's going to be. Mm. And if you don't like it, there's the door. Mm. And I'm his first son. Yeah. So between the schooling and my dyslexic learning problems, between my father shutting the door on me and basically giving me an ultimatum. Mm. You can imagine as, as a young um, teenager, really, really confused at yeah. that stage. The world had definitely thrown me a curveball. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to bring things up to more present day, Frank, because obviously, you know, that sharing what you've shared so far gives us a really, hopefully a really strong uh, taste, flavour of where your your past and, and how you've come to the point where you are. But before we kind of come to more modern day, present day um, situations, I just want to share something with around learning. Because learning, we talk about life's experiences, but learning is absolutely critical, critical 
in in our development in our world and that's such an obvious statement but it's one that we overlook i think in the main and i want to use the metaphor of of eating food or, or eating and drinking and it's a very simple one but i think it's a very powerful one it kind of encapsulates what frank's been talking about there so imagine that in life if we eat every day um 20 beef burgers five plates full of chips all covered in ketchup and then we wash it down with fizzy drinks um what's going to happen there we're going to become unfit physically we're going to put weight on massively and there's no judgment for you know for, for the weight situation but i think it you know a lot of people do um, struggle with you know carrying a lot of excessive pounds it's that kind of um, oh I'm not good enough if I'm overweight well actually yes yes you are but it's that self-perception that self-awareness yet again so but if we imagine ourselves wanting to be physically fit so we was training to be uh, in the Olympics for example but on a diet of as I say 50 beef burgers 20 bags full of whatever and fizzy drinks we are going to become very, very, very unfit, obviously. But what we do from that, we take the goodness from that food and that drink and we pass the rest as waste. In other words, we let it go. So all that remains is the goodness that we've taken from it. And you could argue, you know, I'm not a nutrition that there's varying degrees of goodness with the carbohydrates and, and what have you. But I think generally speaking, the picture I've painted, people would understand that, that that is not a good diet to have, you know, 20, 30, 50 beef burgers a day, templates full of chips, whatever. So conversely, let's imagine a diet then of really healthy um, nutrients, vitamins, and and the principle is the same. We take the goodness from it. Our body takes the goodness. And then when it's taken the goodness, it passes the rest as waste, irrespective of whether the food is good, bad, or indifferent. So what would happen to our minds? Because our minds is the same thing. So if we can draw a parallel with how much goodness are we feeding our minds? Are we feeding our minds the metaphoric 50 bags full of chips and, and pizzas and all that kind of beef burgers every day? Or are we feeding our mind good quality stuff? Because the parallel is exactly the same. Feed it with good information, with good um, self self-awareness words tell ourselves how good we are because it's a simple choice the language we use and by doing that by being really positive around and aware of our words and feeding that to us yes we will take the learning from it and we will pass the rest as waste because let me go back if we didn't go to the toilet and passed it passed it as waste what would happen we'd die we die from internal poisoning. So why do we allow our minds to collect so much crap and just stay with us and expect that, you know, we're not perishing inside? Just a thought. Frank, I want to bring things to more, as I say, more modern day, present day. Um, tell, tell us where your life's at these days, where anything at all. Um, just before I do that, Paul, something came to my mind there. I was listening to your fantastic analogy about um, food and, and the same is exactly with um, beliefs and values that we take on and some of them serve us and some of them don't serve us. I did an exercise that I'm going to share and um, I would, um, I'm going to say challenge because it certainly was a challenge for me. Mm. And the exercise um, I would challenge everybody listening um, to this podcast here today um, is to, um, it's called a mirror exercise. And when I did this, um, I did it thinking that, you know, with my ego and everything that was going on at the point in time, I really thought, this is no problem for me. You know, I'm, I'm fantastic, I'm this, I'm that. And I had all these kind of words coming out, but they were just words. Mm. So the exercise is, you stand in front of a full length mirror, completely naked, on your own, and you stand there in all your bareness and you bear your soul to the person that's looking back at you, which obviously is you. Yeah. And you tell yourself that I love 
you. Yeah. Everything about you. Your maybe your 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 jibbly belly or maybe your 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 nose or that you're not happy with or or your the loss of your hair. And my 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 thing I'm going to ask you to do if stuff and I promise you it will happen. If stuff bubbles up for you when you're doing this exercise and you're struggling with the words even saying I love you there's issues there that need to be looked at and mm. dealt with. So please, it's a fantastic exercise. What happened for me, I'll just share quickly. Um, I had issues in reference to um, uh, myself, of what, how I looked. Um, I had put on a bit of weight when I did this exercise. And I found that a lot of my, my values of self-worth were attached to this housing that God had given me. Mm. Now, Inside me is my soul, my true self, but my body, my housing was attached to this self-worth. And you, I promise you, things will bubble up for you. And when this happens, straight away, have a pen and paper ready, write them down and please explore them. Because for me, it was a fantastic way to bear my soul and realize that I was attaching values to my this house, my body, where it wasn't my true self. And me and you, Paul, spoke many times mm. about our true selves. Mm. And unfortunately, we don't look at our true selves the way we should. We look at ourselves the way we look. Yeah. And if we look at today, I have teenagers uh, and, 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 and kids um, using, um, 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 ting, pumping up their lips with all sorts types of um, um, substances to make their lips, lips look bigger and so on. This is really prominent in, in this day and age, and it's a huge issue for our teenagers. I'd also maybe ask you to ask your teenagers to do it. They're going to struggle even more because of the society we live in. So I just thought I'd give you that quick share. Yeah, it's interesting listening to that, Frank, because one of the uh, the things that I've flagged up on, on previous episodes, on more than one occasion, is this, when you look in the mirror, simple exercise, just tell that person how special he or she is and actually kiss the mirror. Oh, yes. Kiss beautiful. the mirror. Beautiful. <laughs> it, beautiful. it gets uh, that initial, oh, Paul's lost the plot now. Is it right? Okay, he's finally flipped. <laughs> Some of his creative ideas have gone, maybe gone a bit too far. But there's, <laughs> believe me, there is uh, the science and uh, it works. Creativity, Frank, that brings us up to modern day. Because um, I want to focus in on now. Uh, this this creativity. So when previously we spoke about mastering the game of life, it's as simple as A, B, C. So we've had a, a, a brief look at the A for awareness, a brief look at the B for beliefs, but I want to come on now to the C, to creativity. How we can we can learn to embrace this beautiful, super, super computer of ours called our minds, because that's what it is. It's a super computer. And I've got a saying that... Do not allow tail to wag dog. So what do I mean by that? So if we say to people, is your left finger you? Well, no, of course it's not. It's a part of me. Okay. Is your right knee you? No, of course it's not. It's a part of me. Is your left ear you? Your right eye, your hair, whatever. Whatever part of your body, is that you? No, it's a part of me. So why do we give this beautiful supercomputer of ours the massive adulation and power to say, you are me? But Because it's not. It's like our little toe, our right elbow, left knee, whatever. It's a part of us, but it isn't who we are. So one of the insights now, uh, and you could call this creative thinking, I, I actually think it's realistic thinking, but what's reality? That's so you know subjective for all of us. But the reality for me personally is this supercomputer. I need to learn to get that on side. It's a very powerful mechanism that can serve me, just like a calculator or a, a computer, like I say. But unless you know, with the immense programs it's got, part of my role and responsibility is to tap into that so it then can serve me. So if somebody gave me a really complicated mathematical um, problem to solve, I'd get my calculator out, pumping the number, and I'd get my answer. It's exactly the same for our 
computers because uh, our minds and our computers because isn't it also true that what can happen is we can download so many programs on this supercomputer called a mind that we can get viruses on it and these viruses then affect everything that we do on our mental computers so it's about having that creativity to think because we'll never solve a problem by trying to deal with it at the level it was created we need to elevate. Frank spoke about this earlier on, that kind of looking from a higher self. It's almost like going up in an helicopter and looking down on that that other person we think we are. And then being able to use that computer and say, okay, so when I when I started this thread, it's around that tail does not wag dog. So the mind is the tail, and we are actually the dog. So the dog wags the tail it us we control the mind not the other way around and i think just that subtle insight there around oh well my mind's telling me this is it really well if your brother your sister your wife your husband tells you something and you don't agree what do you do do you just accept it no you actually you have that conversation and you sort it out and it's the same thing with your mind just as you're looking in the mirror and telling that person how much you love him or her it's the same thing. Learn to have that conversation. Learn to embrace the mind as a great asset, a great computer. Frank, does any of that make sense? Yeah, perfectly, Paul. <clears throat> um, I suppose uh, it brings you back to the, the sponge period of a child from, from about one to six years of age. I can't remember the technical term. I think it's called Teta Mind. It's it's something like that, and um, this is the, the 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 mind where it's in full consciousness, and it's absorbing everything around us. Now, as we grow into adulthood, we end up spending most of our time in subconscious, mm. and the issue, as you rightly alluded to, and um, with subconscious, if the subconscious is good and the programs are good, that's fantastic. It's okay that we live a lot of our times in that. And that's mind wandering and you know a lot of us spend very little time into consciousness they say that we have about 65 70 thousand thoughts per year or per day and basically um the issue is that because of the mind wandering and where adults we spend most of our time paul in our conscious mind and um, if the viruses are there they're going to damage our creativity our self-worth our self-awareness so for me, how I'm tackling that right now is through meditation. Mm. And I find it really good. Meditation's helping me to be self-aware. Mm. And my goal is to try and spend more time in the conscious mind, because if I'm conscious what I'm doing, then I have control. If I'm not conscious in what I'm doing, then the programs of old are running me. Yeah. And that's really, really important to be self-aware of that. Yeah. And that brings up the whole issues of self-awareness, vulnerability, I'm not good enough, and all these programs that have been programmed from long ago. Mm. And they're viruses mm. to your success and creativity in the future. Yeah. So for me, through, through meditation, it's helping me to grow my conscious time that I spend every single day and try and spend less time with the subconscious. So yeah, hugely important um, for creativity and self-awareness. Mm. So where is where is Frank's modern day life then, Frank, in terms of vulnerability, you know, your business, your family life, you know, g give us a quick snapshot of where things are at. Um, quick snapshot, um, I, I am rekindling at the moment is the word I choose to use. I'm rekindling, um, um, a, a marriage that did not get the attention that it deserved. It was a, a very beautiful um, plant that flourished years ago, but like everything else, if it gets neglected and not watered, it withers and it struggles. Mm. So um, where I am right now, um, I, I, I'm happy to say I, I, I'm trying to be every day more vulnerable with my wife, show her the real me, and keep the ego um, to one side and I'm working on my relationship and trying to bring that back to a, a more beautiful fuller vulnerable place where I can show my masculinity my wife can express her femininity 
and bring the two paths together. Mm. And I won't go into it now, but the two paths did separate um, because of the stress and everything that was going on in our lives with, with our businesses. And um, so I'm trying to rekindle that. From a, from um, a spiritual point of view, um, I'm really enjoying meditation. I, I call it connecting with source. <clears throat> Whether you believe in God, Buddha, um, whatever your Mecca, whatever your belief is of a higher source, for me it's source. It's where we come from. Spending lots of time connecting with source and um, uh, just being at one uh, is a word I use. And um, health-wise, yeah, um, really working. Plan to run a four-hour marathon this year, please God. Uh, training has started this week, so looking forward to that. I've set myself that challenge. And to help that challenge, I'm, I will be looking for 20 companies to donate um, a thousand euros um, for this cause that I'm going to do and that is a, is something I'm going to donate to um, uh, charities that look after specifically uh, teenage suicide which is a huge problem in, in Ireland at the moment and our figures have gone through the roof I think in our in Europe right now Ireland is somewhere about like second or third highest suicide rate which is phenomenal Mm. so that's something that means a lot to me I'm working in that area and then business wise um, Paul we've touched on this um, um, I've, I, I've, I've been involved with our family business um, which back in 1994 it started there thereabouts and I feel like that's coming to an end for me and it's time for a new beginning so I'm working in, in, in instilling new management in my place which is which is fine because for people to move up, I have to step aside. And um, so I'm working um, towards that. And I'm looking forward to spending a lot more time really in the creative energy of my life for the second half. And um, that will involve working with the Hearts Foundation and working with my wife. And um, she's very passionate about um, helping children like our son who has Asperger's and, and learning difficulties. I'm going to work with her on that and uh, yeah so I, I kind of I suppose I, I'm looking forward to devoting my life to helping others in their struggles and bringing my knowledge to the table so maybe they don't have to make the mistakes I made and they can um, grow faster than than maybe I did. So is it fair to say then Frank that I got quite moved listening to that you're going to change your diet now from 50 beef burgers a day to a very healthy, protein-driven, healthy way of living. Is the diet changing, Frank? It has to. Yeah. If you want the results, the diet has to change. Yeah. Okay. And and that, that, as you rightly alluded to, Paul, that's in every area. Yeah. Reading. Like, I, I've made a goal this year in 2020. I'm not an avid reader, but I know and understand that if I'm not feeding my mind with, with, with good, nourished food, mm-hmm. it's not going to grow in the area I need it to grow in. Yeah. So I need to do that. Yeah. So absolutely, yeah, it's time to uh, start eating the right things, as the metaphor says. <laughs> Brilliant. 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 Okay. So as we draw to a close now then, Frank, um, you know, it, it's been a, <laughs> for me personally, you know, I, I just thank you so much for, for this conversation because it's been, to say it's been enlightening is, you know, I think sometimes we, we have situations in life where words are just, you know, just leave the words. And I know often people that know me really well, they say, oh, Paul, you've gone quiet that means I'm in a massively good place mm. because I'm going into my inner meditation because the, the quality and the content and the thought-provoking nature of what's evolved there through that conversation is it doesn't need words because words don't do it justice. Yes. And which is quite ironic, bearing in mind we've just spent the last, I don't know, 45 minutes or whatever it is using words and talking. I just want you to, I want to hand over... Frank, for you to close this con- this this beautiful conversation by leaving us with one powerful message. To, you know what is it? What is your message to to anybody, to the outside world, to your family, to yourself? The show, and I won't say another word from here on in. It's over to you, Frank, to close. Paul, I would say, um, for me, um, going into the second half of my life, um. The importance is please mind each other. 
you know um it's 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 really really important um my parents um in a lot of ways didn't do it for me um <clears throat> i um um you know when i was really busy in kind of my late 30s um i can look back and <clears throat> and 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 realize that i should have been more there for my children um, I've spoken about that to them, um, but I suppose my message is: look first of all, look after self, right? And because once you look after self, then you can look after others. But mind each other, mind your families, mind your children, especially your children. Mm-hmm. They're in a very, very vulnerable world. The internet is such a fantastic tool, but a very, very dangerous playground. Mm-hmm. So please. You know, look after your children, mind them, give them all the nourishing encouragement you can give them and and, and, and positivity. And um, and I suppose be vulnerable, allow yourself to be vulnerable and that will give permission for your children and your friends and your family to be vulnerable too and, and, and help each other. Because I, I think for me, um, Paul, the world right now um, is screaming out for change. It really is. And it's something I've, I'm very passionate about. It's something I, I'm going to work with you in the future, as we spoke about many, many times. And there's an awful lot of confused people out there mm-hmm. looking for leadership and change. And um, with suicide rates going through the roof, um, and which is something very close to my heart because I know what, what that place feels like. And it's very, very dark. And to have teenagers in this space, it's just horrendous. It just shouldn't be happening. But that just shows us how disconnected we all are because of mechanical devices stuck on mobiles, stuck on uh, on, 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 on Instagrams and all this stuff. We're forgetting to look after and talk to each other and, and communicate. And even things like, how was your day? And mean it, not just as a form of conversation. So my, my message I would love to leave is look after yourself and and allow yourself the vulnerability. Feed your mind and please go out and do the same for others. And let's try and make this world a better place. So there we have it, listeners. I suppose the, the final word is, is to, you know, just to ask you to to implore you really to have a look in that mirror and as Frank alluded to and first and foremost um, tell yourself how much you know you love that person forgive that person for you know any misdemeanors you you think he or she may have done forgive that person and create space for that self-awareness and I'm going to finish with um, just putting a slight um, slant on that self-awareness and change the word and I'm going to leave this thought with you. What about if we built upon that self-awareness and changed it for self-love? Just a thought. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success. <laughs>